Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. This week we're doing something a little different. I'm talking to my dog trainer, Greg Sikolsky. Uh, his company is called Affordable Dog Training and Anti-Aggression. That's how I found him on Yelp. I think I typed those very words, maybe. Um, but uh, he worked with my dog, Enzo, who I got in May, end of May, and now he's a really good boy. Right, Enzo? Anyway, so we're going to talk to him about what it's like to be a dog trainer. But first, I want to encourage you to go to DennisAnyone.net. You can see fun photos that go with some of the podcasts. I actually posted some pictures from my last podcast with Stephen Rowley, where he um, showed me the covers of his books in other countries, and they're really kind of cool to look at how the, the different versions are illustrated differently. Um, you can also donate to my virtual tip jar there. Um, it keeps me uh, covered with my expenses and stuff. I really appreciate it. Um, if you like the podcast, I hope you subscribe. I hope you share. I hope you tell friends. Anything that can help it grow. Write some reviews on iTunes or a review. Um, all of that stuff. It means a lot to me. All right. Without any further ado, here is Greg Sikolsky. Okay, I am in my condo with my dog trainer, the person who made Enzo the delight that he is, Greg Sikolsky. He is the Hello. owner of Affordable Dog Training and Anti-Aggression. And you know I totally found you on Google or Yelp. I just, I Googled Affordable Dog Training. Yes, a lot of people find us that way. Yeah, and it was mm -hmm. it was a dream. And now I'm nervous that mm -hmm. Enzo's going to be a bad boy okay. and like ruin the podcast because right. you got right. him so well trained. And I'm nervous that he's just going to act up. Right, he's being he's being pretty good right now. Yeah. One thing with Enzo is that because he has such a bond with me, he's tending to want to jump into my lap. But I I think he's being pretty good right now. He probably because he remembers you also gave him treats and taught him yes, stuff. Yes. Yes. This is true. So I have a lot of I want to know a lot more about dog training because okay. as you know, I don't have. I haven't had a dog for very long, and I've never okay. had a dog before. Right. How did you first get into it? So um, I first got into it as a head trainer for PetSmart. I went through their program there. They had a store in Reseda uh, that I, I, I had worked at. But, you know, I always had a love for animals, uh, e even when I was a very young child. Um, I, used to have, I used to have parakeets. Really? And I used to put them in my pocket and do little magic shows. So I'd That's pull amazing. a out. And I would do a little show. Well, no, like mainly at home. You right. know, I was probably about five or six years old. And, and, you know, my mom, she apparently loved animals too because we had cats, we had dogs. And surprisingly enough, they, they weren't spayed or neutered. So we just kept having you them. Just kept, that's how it works. So it's, it's sort of a good primer for me to get into the world of animals. There were always uh, animals there around. There was always a, a plentiful amount of animals around for me to practice with in terms of training. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in Tarzana and uh, also in the San Fernando Valley, different parts of the valley. Awesome. So you, you start working at Petco and you decide, I want to really... PetSmart. PetSmart. So we're, we're working at PetSmart. I was a head trainer there. And then at the same time, I started working for, uh, for animal regulation in Los Angeles. And I started... And that, that means they're the, the, the government thing that goes out and helps with right, and... Quote, unquote, helping, uh, you yeah. know, helping animals. Uh, right. You know, a lot of real nasty things happen there. I mean, they do a lot of good, but also there's, uh, you know, there's the silent voices of the animals that they put down. Uh, and, and I would say that at the time that I was there, um, there wasn't really a protocol to uh, elicit the services of rescues to, to come in and help them. 
Right. So they didn't quite know how to connect with the rescue organization. They didn't really They're, want to. It's a, it's a political system there. And so one of the things that I found out is that I could be an advocate for them at that time. So you could kind of be in the middle. I could be in the middle. And, and at my, my position there as an animal care tech, I would be at the, at the booking station, basically. right? When so, they come in. So when people, the perps. Exactly. <laughs> when the perps would come in. Enzo kittens, was a perp. Kittens or the doggies, especially with kittens. Um, their protocol is to immediately put them down because they just don't really raise them because that takes a lot of care, a lot of, a lot of bottle feeding. And, um, I, um, you know, I started reaching out to, to, uh, local rescues, um, and, uh, really getting them saved before they got really booked into the system. So were you full time there working for that agency? I was a part time, uh, Animal care tech uh, at uh, at East Valley, which is the uh, in Chatsworth. There. Right, I hear a lot about it. I know that's the yeah. a lot of people that I meet at the park and mm-hmm. stuff have rescued dogs mm-hmm. from there. Uh, one one of the things about being a part timer is I didn't have to put animals down. I, I was offered an opportunity to go on full time, and I decided that wasn't right for me because I had actually witnessed them, you know, uh, a couple times putting the animals down. It was pretty brutal. How do they do it? Injection? It is with injection. They're supposed to uh, knock them out first. A lot of the, the techs don't do that. Uh, it's a lot of suffering. It's in a you know, fairly small room, but the other animals know what's happening. And it's to me, it's not really a, a humanely done process. And a lot of it is unnecessary because I think there is a lot of people out there who would take these animals if given a chance. Right. And you saw an opportunity there for... Hey, I can do something to sort of run. Yeah, out there you know, it, it, it kind of was just an instinct for me as right. a person. You know who I am. I'm, I like to help the, you know, the the downtrodden and be a voice of justice. And I, I really feel like that it was. Uh, it kind of just happened for me. Yeah. There. When did you break out on your own and start your own company? Um, okay, so after I, you know, learned some technique with PetSmart, I, I did start doing some private training, but I really didn't go full time. Uh, until about about five years ago. Right, doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed on your bio, you and I have something in common. Yes. Which is we both met Jessica Alba's dogs. Yes, I've trained one of them, actually. Well, I did a, <laughs> a story on her for Marie Claire magazine okay. several years ago. Yeah. And part of it, the story was we went around and took pictures of all the things she liked. It okay. Was, that was kind of the gimmick of the story. All right. And I remember picking up her dogs from... Either Petco or PetSmart on okay. La Cienega. Okay. And meeting her dogs and oh, taking pictures dogs. of them. Yeah, they, yeah, she might have different dogs now. Yeah. But, um... Well, Chance was the dog that I had trained. And yeah. I, I had worked mainly with Cash, which was her boyfriend at the time. But right. I, I, I did meet her on occasion. Right. Uh, she wasn't as involved as, as he was. But he, he was a, you know, a really nice guy. And right. she, it was a beautiful dog. A beautiful white pit. Yeah. Now, when you meet a dog, what, is the, what are the first things you look for in terms of how they are? Um, well, I'm looking for really how they're meeting and greeting with me. Right. So I'm looking at their body language. If it's fluid, are they happy? Um, you know, if a, if a dog has certain fear issues, they're going to back away from me. Um, and I, I usually go into the situation with a pretty neutral stance. Yeah. Now, what are the things that are sort of general things about dogs? People say that they're pack animals. So what okay. does that mean? Yeah, I mean, some dogs aren't. I right. mean, that's, I think it's an overgeneralization right. of canines because, you know, a lot of dogs think they're people and right. they're very codependent and they're bonded with people in a way that you would never think they're a pack animal. So, right. uh, that, but there is a, a general feeling that they are pack animals. That means that they would 
uh, hunt in, in a pack and they would live in a pack, not unlike people. So I would consider pe- people pack animals too. They're not, right. they're not I- isolationary uh, beings. But you were telling me when we first started working that there are different types of dogs in terms of dominance. Yeah. So when I'm looking at a dog, I'm looking for characteristics that are similar in, in humans. You know, the, right. that's, the, the psychology is pretty much the same in, in all mammals. And, um, you know, there's two basic personality types uh, in dogs and in people. There's a, a clingy, sensitive type and there's a calm, confident type. Right. So usually my first thing is I, I determine which type I'm, I'm dealing with because that can be very helpful in terms of my, my training approach with him. And not to brag, but Enzo was calm, confident. He was calm, confident, uh, but he's, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty happy-go-lucky dog. Anxiety level is fairly low. So the aggression... We'll work on... We'll get that up. We'll get that <laughs> right. up where it needs to be. Yeah, hey, you know... To fit in. I'm working that, on it. It's good that he has low anxiety. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You, you don't want your dog to have too much anxiety. Uh, just like with people, it's not really a good thing if it's misplaced. Have you ever worked with dogs that were going to be on, like in a commercial or any of that kind of stuff? Um, not really. You know, my main focus and specialty is anti-aggression, even though I do advanced training as well. And we do uh, training for service animals. Uh, but I do know uh, that with those dogs in particular, they usually use a set of dogs. So it's right. usually not one dog doing all the tricks. They usually have... Different dogs, each doing their own thing. Right. And then it's the illusion of this brilliant dog, which actually is many dogs. Right. But one guy can, one of them can roll over, one of them can do that, one of them can exactly. do that. Exactly. And it's all that way. Mm-hmm. Um, how many dogs do you have yourself? Do you have a bunch? I officially have one Multipoo. One On Multipoo. I have one. Okay. But we have had, at times, different rescue uh, dogs at the house, uh, mainly pit bulls, because that is a breed that's right. in need. And that people most uh, often need help with in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of boarding and training. What do people get wrong about pit bulls? Or right? Uh, I think the number one thing they get wrong with pit bulls is that their behaviors are caused by the environment. Uh, You have to understand that this is a breed that has been bred for fighting. It's been bred for dog fighting over successive generations. And that is, you know, fault of humans. Right. But they do have genetic predispositions. Uh, for the most part, in their personality traits genetically. Uh, so I think that would be the, the number one thing, that people think it's the owner that's making them lock on or, or making them more aggressive. Right. and that, But it's something, there's a, there is a part in it's that breed. very yeah. rarely is the owner. There's not a lot of people who do dog fighting, and there's right. many, many, many pits. Now, last night, uh, I was walking down Chandler Boulevard with a friend of mine. It was like the sun had just gone down, mm-hmm. and some people said, oh, there's coyotes. Did you see the coyotes? <laughs> I was like, there is a lot of coyotes in the in the valley. So, what happens if a does a coyote going to go after Enzo if he sees him? He very may well. I mean, this is a, a you know a, a phenomenon that does happen, and I've had it happen to me where I'll be walking even a larger dog, right? And you'll see one, then you'll see two, and three coyotes, and then you'll all of a sudden you'll notice that there's a pack lurking. So, you know, they're they're very opportunistic animals, and they're definitely waiting for an opportunity. And I have heard of small dogs being eaten. I've actually heard of larger dogs being eaten, too. Wow. Yeah. What's, the, what's like, the most satisfying part of what you do? Is it when the dog has a breakthrough and is yes. different? And can yeah. you see it happen? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, the most satisfying part is to take a dog who someone is really stressed out about, who is a liability issue, who is, um, you know, a dog that is very aggressive who is willing to hurt someone, who hurt, hurt another dog, and literally to transform them into a well-behaved dog in a matter of sometimes hours, sometimes days, 
But, you know, I do a, a style of training that is really what I call a fast-track style of training, which means that I get them under control in a very quick amount of time. Uh, and it's, it's very satisfying because it's a pretty extreme transformation. Right. Is there a certain um, school of training that you go to, or is it your own sort of thing that you've developed? Right. So that's a, that's, a, that's a good question. So the techniques that I'm using essentially break down to behavior modification. Um, you know, when I was at PetSmart, uh, the, the whole uh, gist of training there is a Pavlovian approach, which is a classical approach. Right. Meaning you're using treat lures, you're using a lot of positive reinforcement, not a lot of positive punishment. So there's another school of thought that believes that you need some positive punishment, meaning that we're using corrections and sort of creating boundaries with that. Uh, what do you mean? What's an example of positive yeah. punishment? So positive punishment uh, is anything that you add to a situation that is a deterrent, right? So in behavior modifications, uh, in behavior modification, you have essentially reward and punishment. Reward are the reinforcers, and the punishments are the corrections. So the reinforcers will create behaviors, whereas punishments or corrections will get rid of them. And what might punishments be? So punishments can vary. I mean, it could be as simple as a shaker can, which is right. a noise correction. I've started using that. Not that I've needed too mm-hmm. much. Enzo hates that thing. Enzo it hates it. It works. It can work wonders. Yeah. Uh, with certain dogs, it, it can be very effective. And, you know, the shaker can is a noise correction. And that is actually based off the experiments of John B. Watson, who's an American psychologist. And he, he developed it at the turn of the century. He understood that you can use a loud noise as an, as an aversion or to create a phobia. So it's, uh, it's the same kind of device that can be used in people as well. Interesting. Now, when we first started working together, you talked to me a lot about the collar and leash that we mm-hmm. were going to use. Because mm-hmm. I know there's different schools of thought on that. Yes, yes. What's your take on that? Okay, so you want to hear my take on that? I one? do want to hear that so take because I, I went to the dog park yeah. once with the so, same you leash. Know, there's all kinds of people. And I was like, you know what? It's working out. There's so all kinds of people out there who right. have their, their ideas. Right. You know, one thing I pride myself is that the ideas I have are based on logic, but they're also based on practical experiences. The right. number of dogs that I've trained, um, and, and so there is, you know, there's a practicality to the tools that I'm using because ultimately the tools are very important. Right. Um, what I recommend in training is what's called what I call a slip chain. Others would call it a choke chain, but it's I use a very high quality chain that's a heavier gauge, very smooth. Um, and There's no little pokey parts. No little pokey parts. I do. Not, I personally don't uh, use prong collars, and I don't really recommend them. Um, they can be agitating for, for dogs, and and um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why they use them in military and police dogs, uh, because they're they're at, they actually want to bring out the people aggression. Right. So it's it's a different process. But you found that it works for you, and that it that it's effective. The chain is extremely it can be extremely effective if used properly within right. training structure, and it's very very gentle. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, you do some of your training like in like at uh, in stores. I do. I, like I look on your Instagram. <laughs> you should follow him on Instagram. We have affordable a good time. We do window you go, shopping and dog training. Yeah, you like literally time. go into Lowe's, and I'm we, like I look at your Instagram, do. and I'm like. They're literally, he's training my dog. He's shooting a video of my dog in like tender greens or something. Yeah, tender greens. So do you ever get kicked out of these places? Very, very rarely. Yeah. And when I do, it's because the person who's, is, uh, they think they're doing their job and they're actually making up a job that doesn't really exist. Right. Very rarely do I get kicked out and I'm I'm usually welcomed. And the reason why is because the dogs I'm working are so well behaved. Right. 
um, that uh, people really enjoy it. But do they kind of watch and see what's going on? They, and- they do. Well, you know, especially at Lowe's. Like, we have a following at Lowe's. We'll go into Lowe's, and the manager there is very nice to us, and they really enjoy having the, the different dogs in the store. And, you know, there is a very good reason why, why we do that. Yeah. You know, also, you know, my approach is a multi-environment approach, meaning we want to, you know, test the dogs in different environments. They need to be able to perform whether it's, you know, at the mall, at the dog park, at Runyon Canyon, uh, in any environment. I took Enzo to the drive-in the other night, mm-hmm. and like a like outdoor movie thing, and we sat on the thing, and he was a pretty good boy. He was a good boy. He was a pretty good boy. He wanted and to explore sure and stuff like that. It. Now, when you yeah. took Enzo mm-hmm. out in public to yes. like Lowe's and stuff, yeah. did he have, uh, was he mobbed because he's so beautiful <laughs> and adorable? What, did you have to fight off the fans? He did get a lot of attention. Yeah. And- you know, that's part of the process. I want to see that he maintains proper position yes. and that we can work on a release command for meeting and greeting. And so all that stuff is good because it's real world stuff. You right. know, there's a lot of trainers out there that calls them, call themselves trainers that don't really do dog training. Yeah. They really just do instruction that they read right out of a book and they don't have a real technique. Uh, so what we're doing is dog training and it's instruction and it's real world. So we're really, you know, working them through the situations. I love it. Now, when you say we, it's you and you have trainers that work with you? Yeah, I have my my, 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 my fiancé, Kim, who yeah. uh, was working with me. We actually just had a baby. Oh, about, congrats. About, just about five months ago. <gasps> Amazing. A baby boy named Jack Benjamin. Yes. And uh, he's a future dog trainer, most likely. I love it. Does he love dogs already? He does. You know, he even has this little plush toy that he's always holding, and it's yeah. very cute. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, Enzo is very cuddly and sweet, and I think he would be a good dog like to go to hospitals and stuff and see kids. Uh, how does somebody do that? How does mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he definitely would be a candidate to be some sort of therapy uh, dog right. in, that, in that capacity. I mean, he's very well-mannered, and he loves people. I mean, essentially, you need to you know, have a dog that is well-behaved and, and right. well-trained and can really go into those situations and maintain their own. Right. Um, part of the process is, of course, training. Right. Uh, you can also do uh, what's called a canine good citizenship test through AKC, which I'm an evaluator for. That's you know a step to that process. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and if you want, like for the service dog, for instance, you you know, as far as I know, you need also a recommendation from a doctor. I see. So that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But there are dogs that go into hospitals and and cheer people up and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, because they've been trained to do so. You know, they've been trained in the basic obedience and their natural uh, temperament, you know, suits suits that sort of uh, work. It's a good fit for that. Yeah. How are are things changing in terms of puppy farms and rescues (laughs) and, you know what I mean? Like, because you're hearing more dialogue in the thing about how people should get rescues and... And stuff like that. Is it is it changing much, or is it still as far people as I, do what they? Yeah, do? you know what? As far as I know, dogs are a commodity to a lot of people, right? And a lot of dogs are really set on purebred dogs. With that said, I think there's a lot of great puppies out there that are mixed, um, and a lot of great dogs to be adopted out of the shelters. And sometimes, what happens when you adopt a mixed dog? You get the best of different breeds. So, you know, and a lot of the puppy mill dogs are overbred, and that can create some problems. Yeah, somebody was telling me that mixed breeds are more likely to live longer. Is that true? This is true because a lot of the purebreds are are slightly inbred, and that does shorten their lifespan and can predispose them to different uh, health issues. That's interesting. Have you ever been to those dog shows with all the purebreds? I have not been to them. Yeah. But uh, I did train a dog that was uh, the owner wanted to be in a show, 
And, and one of the things with those dogs is they're not allowed to sit down. They can't sit down they're the whole time? They're not allowed to sit. So wow. that's one command those dogs don't learn. Yeah, they never learn to sit. No, that, well, they probably <laughs> Which do. Which is pretty anyways. brutal. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, they can't sit through the whole thing. They're beautiful dogs, but it's a, kind of unnatural. Yeah, I can see that. And I think bias towards the purebreds. Yeah, somebody like Enzo. Somebody would, like Enzo. I don't know. He would have to do his own little thing. Yeah. Um, why do you love dogs? You know, I start off, I think, as a cat person, because cats are, are very independent. Dogs are pretty needy. Dogs right. are more like people, and they take a, it's a lot of responsibility with dogs. But what I've learned about dogs is it's a very social animal, unlike cats, and um, it's a really good. You know, sort of, sort of like a social lubricant uh, in terms of meeting meeting people. You know, not only is your dog meeting and greeting, but you're also socializing and meeting. And I think from that standpoint, it's really sort of a common subject with a lot of people. Have you noticed how... I've noticed he's been great for my mood and my day-to-day right. thing. Right. Is that something that you notice in oh, your, yeah. I mean, in your clients and also in your own life? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of people who have you know, either health issues or they just, you know, or they just separated and they, they get a dog and they need some training. And, yeah, I mean, dogs can really serve a wonderful purpose. I love it. Um, have you ever been attacked or bitten when you were training? What's the worst thing that went wrong Knock for you? on wood. Very, very rarely. Wow. Uh, it, very, it, it rarely happens. And part of that is due to my, my approach. You know, the bond is the most important thing in dog training. If you don't have a good bond, then you're not going to have a successful experience. Right. Well, you have so much confidence, and it's yeah. your job, and it's your profession. Yeah. You know, when I first got him, I was like, I don't know what he's going to do and all that. And you're just like, oh, he's a dog. Like, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, cause of course, because you're I a trainer. Expect, but your you know. body language, your whole demeanor, right. your whole right. thing. Right, You know, me being a newbie, I was like, well, sometimes he does this thing. Maybe that. And right. you're like, yeah, that's what dogs do sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to understand is that, you know, people are tool users. That's our, our biggest strength. And I think that, you know, what enables us to dominate other species and to really get them under control are those tools. Yeah. So the the wrong approach is not using a leash, not using a good collar, and just thinking that your dog is just going to listen to you when you speak to them in a cognitive way. Right. And that just doesn't work. Right. No, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. What's your ultimate dog trainer dream? My like, ultimate like, dog trainer dream. Like, would you like to open your dream. own place oh, or like? Man. If well, you could... there's a lot of there's a lot of dogs out there that need help, and a lot of people that need help with them. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm just one guy, so I, there's no way I'm going to address the, the needs, uh, you know, of, of, of the public at large. But I, I think one of our goals is, um, you know, possibly to do a show uh, that demonstrates, um, you know, how we are able to take a very aggressive dog that most people would say is not trainable. Right. And within a couple of days, they're being very good. Extreme dog makeover. Extreme dog Pitch makeover. It. You so, would be great on television. I think it would be a great thing. I think you'd and be great. And I think it would really would, would educate people because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Like what? You know, well, a lot of vets will tell people that come in with a dog who has bitten someone to put the dog down. That's a common thing that, that people are told. They're also told not to correct a dog that's growling, that just let them growl. If you correct it, then they'll bite without growling, which is completely false. Uh, you Meaning have, that the growl always comes, you know. Yeah, you have to correct every stage of aggression. So right. the best way to do anti-aggression is when you're when you're correcting the aggression at the earliest possible point, and that could just be with staring. The dog is staring, 
and sort of locking in on something, and you'd want to correct it at that point. Well, you always told me with Enzo, if he's staring somebody down, yeah. to get him around to the butt, the, the, yeah. dog, the dog's butt. Well, the butt is neutral, so right. when they're meeting and greeting, you want to you know, start with the backside. Right. Uh, but Isn't yeah. that always the case? Yeah. Isn't that the way <laughs> that it is. is in life? Hey, that's my preference. Exactly. You know, Thank staring you. Staring can be an act of aggression. It can even be. Even with people. It can, it can be. Yeah. Across the board. I'd love to, for you to do a show. That'd be amazing. Yeah. What do you think of the dog whisperer? What do I think of the dog whisperer? Because he's I sort think, of the one that... Okay, let me well, say... Well, on the dog whisperer, I saw... Da, 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 let da. me say some good things, and then I'll have some, some criticisms as well. I think that he's brought a lot of attention to dog training and put it into the public uh, forum and made it really trendy. And that's a great thing, because any time that we can have, you know, empathy for other species and, and really connect with them, I mean, I think that's a real plus. The bad things about what he's doing is... Um, you know, some of the videos that I've seen on YouTube of him doing anti-aggression where he doesn't use a leash, doesn't use a collar, he's staring a dog down and doing karate chops at him and the dog bites him and tears his hand open. Um, that happens? That did happen. I've seen Caesar, some videos. ouch. I think that, you know, you really want to take a logical approach to dog training. And, um, you know, I don't really think he's sharing, uh, you know, in terms of really teaching people how to do it properly. Because... To be quite honest, it's not it's not whispering. I mean, it's very straightforward. Uh, it's very practical. But also, you have to be sensitive to, to the dog as well and have a good bond, like I said. There you go. Yeah. What was your first dog when you were a kid? My first dog? Um, well, I think it's... I'm going to say... Well, we... I'm going to say there was about three, probably around the same period. We had one named Waggy. Okay. And she was probably like a little poodle mix. She was right. real cute. Real small dog. And then we had Goldie. Right. Classic name for a golden retriever. And she tore up everything. She tore up my, my, you know, my teddy bear. And she ate the sandwiches off the table. So she was, she had real rascally sort of behavior. How would you get, say for example, if somebody, Enzo, would chew something up when I wasn't there. So I wasn't able to stop it as it was happening. True. True. But what I have done since yeah. then is walk him over to it and shake mm-hmm. that can. Yeah, I mean, what you want in training is a direct approach. So yeah. you, the, the ideal is you catch them in the act, yeah. and you're either applying a reinforcer or a correction at that time. Right. That's where the, the direct connection is made. I think that you know one of the basic principles in training is either you're creating a safe area or you're there to supervise. It's just like kids. Yeah. So you need to have a puppy-proof area or you need to be there to teach them. What What's do. going on? Well, a lot of the stuff he'll do when I'm not there, and I think it's because he's frustrated or bored, and he hasn't yeah. done it as much anymore. Yeah. But he can tear up a magazine <laughs> and dire- decorate a whole room well, in he's about having fun with it. About two seconds. He's though. having fun, but he loves to do it. I, I mean, know dogs love paper. I think at one so time he was fun. doing it as kind of a fuck you to me. I think he was kind of doing this it as is a, possible as a this like possible, you know what, but guaranteed you he, like this magazine more than me. Guaranteed, he had fun doing it. Yeah, for so sure. Ultimately, he's getting his adrenaline. For sure, rush, you know? I love that. I love that. Do you have a favorite kind of dog? Um, I love Rottweilers. I love Huskies. I love Pugs. Yeah, Huskies are beautiful, even though they're very independent. Rotties are very very sweet and a highly intelligent breed, and then Pugs are just cute and super intelligent. What call, what kind of dogs do you get the most calls about? Pitbulls? Um, you know, I mean, in terms of the worst behavior, yeah. I think German Shepherds for people aggression, they can be really bad. And that's because they've been bred for people aggression, just right. like pits have been bred for dog aggression. And Pitbulls uh, for, for you know their dog aggression, but also a, a lot of little dogs. So a lot of multi-poo types. 
um, you know, those types that you would normally not associate with aggression. Yeah. If somebody was going to rescue a dog, if they're like, oh, I think I might want to rescue a dog. <laughs> What? Yeah. How? Where should they start, and what should they be looking for when they? I think they should start at, at one of the shelters, right? And they, you sh- know, I went on Pet Finder yeah. and did a little of that mm-hmm. online t- tindering with right. dogs. Um, but I actually found him through a friend recommended this one place. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's tricky because when you go into the shelter, it's very difficult to determine the real personality of the dog, right? Because if they're under stress, they may shut down or they may get have some bad behavior. Yeah, and usually we don't really know until after we get the dog home for a couple, two, three weeks, and their true personality starts st- starts to come out. Um, but you know, I mean. There's all different breeds in the shelters. I mean, you want to have a connection with whatever dog you pick. Um, and uh, if you need training, I mean, I'm available. There so, you I go. Mean, you know, That's awesome. There's other trainers out there. But just keep in mind that, you know, if you have aggression issues, it's, it's not an impossible thing. In fact, a lot of dogs, it turns around really quickly. They just need proper training. Well, one of the things that surprised me when we started training is that Enzo seemed to like the work of it. Yes, this is true. And and I always thought, oh, it's going to be like going to school or you're going to right, get patient. Right, right. But he actually seemed to like the work. You know, it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm teaching them things. I'm, I'm correcting them. But yet they, they like it. At the end of the day, they enjoy it because it is structure. It, it You know, I'm, I'm basically I'm paying them. It's, it's a work that they get paid to do. And they get to go out and see different things and meet people, meet other dogs. Yeah. So it's really fun for them. And I'm very affectionate when I, when I train. I, I'm not one of those trainers who believes to turn your back on them and ignore them. I believe that the bond is the most important thing. I think you really have to give a lot of physical affection with them. Right. Um, you know, uh, but then, of course, when they get online, they need a correction to teach them not to do it. Well, originally, he liked those little Trader Joe's uh, little... The Charlie Bears. Charlie Bears. Yeah. And then after he started getting the little turkey hot dog stuff, he was <laughs> yeah, like, those Charlie cool. Bears are bullshit. He won't even this look at a Charlie Berry. I got a bag up there that nobody, I mean, he's never you know, going to eat him. I mean, the, but he's just got good taste, I guess. Yeah, the Charlie Bears are essentially a soup cracker. So, I yeah. mean, the hot dogs, and we use. He was really into those Charlie Bears early on. Right. But, well, you know, one's a low value treat, one's yeah. a high value treat. Um, you know, if you really want to get a good response, it's, it's good to use high value treats, especially with recall. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it can be extremely helpful and rewarding for them. I love it. All right. You pick some questions from the observation yes. deck. All right. What song makes you cry? Okay. Any song by Cat Steven, I cry. Really? Like Cats in the Cradle or any Anything. of those songs? Any of them? It's Which just, ones are your real? It's very nostalgic. It reminds you of what? Father and Son. Um, it just reminds me of being a kid and really being, have, you know, just, just just that emotional state where you're just kind of vulnerable. Yeah. I love that. All right. Mm-hmm. Who are your teen crushes? My teen crushes. Well, preteen, it was Marilyn Monroe. Uh, oh wow, a classic! Probably a classic, right? Really? So like, you were like, a, you were like ten or twelve, and you were like, I like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, before that, it was Shirley Temple when I was really little. Wow, I didn't. Realize, You're kicking it old. School. I didn't realize that when I was watching it, she was already probably in her sixties or seventies. You know, but um, would you have a lot of TCM classics? on in the house? You know, I don't How know. Did you That's discover what they these? played. You know, yeah, it's amazing. We we watched Tom Hatton. You know, they yeah. had that Tom Hatton show that was on all the time. All right. So who were, who were your more later on when you were into teen crushing? In terms of like uh, people who were famous? Yeah. 
Um, Madonna. Right on. Maybe, I support you know, that. Like, sure. You know, like when Like a Virgin came out, I was like, yeah, Like a Virgin. The damn right. <laughs> Roll around on that stage. What's your favorite? Oh, I'm going to skip that. I'm mm-hmm. bringing it last because it's more fun. Oh, this is a fun one that you picked. Yeah. Tell us about when you first saw a first Dirty Magazine. The first dirty magazine. That's the, this is exciting. It's an interesting question. Right? It is. I well, mean, like well, people, look. everyone has. There's at least men. Most men have like yes. their. It was an adventure. It was like a caper. You know, I wasn't really shamed about sex until I was older. So that, that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, my mom caught me when I was 11, man. Right. I was shamed. But when I was five years old, I could look at that stuff. And really? no one would have a hard time. But yeah, my dad always had Playboys in the house. So. Okay, that's good. So, you know, I had a good variety of centerfolds to choose sure. from. So that would probably be my my first experience. And, and you were you were young, young. Like five. Yeah, I was pretty young. And but I knew what I liked. I said, that, that's beautiful. You know? Yeah. And then eleven, that's when the that's when the party was over. That's when it became something that sneaky. Yeah, that I need to be reprimanded for. Yeah, you know, so right? My exactly. mom had a different take on choke collar. Oh. No choke collar. <laughs> no, she used a stick. She used a stick. All and right. She would chase me, but she never got me. So. I love that. All right. Do you, did you have a big family? Was it a lot of kids and a lot of um, animals? It was more animals than, than kids. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we have a big family in terms of there's a, a lot of cousins. Right. Um, and there's essentially like four kids in my immediate family, one that came later. Right on. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good size family. I love it. You know, everyone had their own pet, that's for sure. That's good. What's your favorite perk of your job? The favorite perk of my job is that I can spend the day walking around the mall, going to the dog park, and just kind of meeting people. And, uh, you know, just enjoy myself out, outdoors pretty much. I right. Mean, You're not trapped in a place. I'm not trapped in one place. I'm always traveling. And um, We've done sessions in all kinds of different locations. Mm-hmm. And you'll also take Enzo and then bring him back later. And it's great how you do yeah. your thing. Yeah. It's not When you were at, like... PetSmart? Yeah, PetSmart. Mm-hmm. Where you, would, everything happened on the premises, right? You know, right PetSmart is really funny. You get like a little section in the back of the store, and sometimes right. we'd have 30, 40 people in the class, and it was just right. me giving the class, and, and it, I, we'd have all these people there, all of these dogs, right. and maybe like 20 by 10 square feet. So no real dog training was occurring there. Uh, but yeah, like with the, the other facilities, like with a Paradise Ranch that I was a training manager there for a while. You know, part of the beauty of what I do is that we can take the dogs out anywhere we want and really right. test them and get them really into the mix. At a facility like Paradise Ranch, even though it's a great facility, you're really limited to having the dogs at that location. And you worked the, you worked there for a while, yeah? Yeah, I was a training manager there for a couple of years. And that's what kind of, what is Paradise Ranch? Is Paradise it like Ranch a- is a upper scale training boarding facility yeah. in Sun Valley. They cater to a lot of you know of, of celebrity clientele. Uh, and, um, it's very expensive. You know, when I was there, I would say the training was very good. I don't know what it is like now. Um, but you know, we're, we're talking for anti-aggression at a facility like that, about $1,500 per week. And that was in 07. Wow. Typically I come in at around 300 bucks a week uh, for anti-aggression. So we're and way under what, uh, you know, everyone else is charging. I was really impressed with the, 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 the affordableness of it and when you, when you say a week, is that what yeah. do you mean by that? So when we're, we're talking about a week, we're talking about a good seven plus hours of training. Right. <clears throat> so when you compare that to the what the industry standard is, which is about a hundred dollars per hour, uh, we tend to be a quarter or half the price. Uh, and the, the, the thing with us that makes us different, the way I train, a lot different than most trainers, is I have a deadline. So when I'm looking at training, I'm looking at the end of the week. I want the dog to stop the bad behavior. Right. Week two is reinforcement. 
Right. So I'm not dragging it on months and months. And you know, when I was at Paradise Ranch, we had dogs there for months. Yeah. And their bills were like thirty grand, forty grand. I mean, it does add up. So, wow. So you know, the way I do it is, I think, is different than a, a lot of trainers would approach it. Yeah, and you've worked with Pink, I read on your bio. I did work with Pink when I was at Paradise Ranch, and she was a, a, a lovely woman. Yeah. Um, did she I do any Elvis. circus tricks? No? <laughs> she didn't do any circus okay. tricks. Okay. Um, you know, we trained Elvis. Is uh, Elvis her dog? It was an English bulldog. Unfortunately, uh, she had a pool at her property, and it drowned shortly oh after training. Oh, my God. It's very sad. That's horrifying. Uh, but he was a great dog. How do you find out? Like, I don't know what Enzo would do with a pool if he would like it or because some dogs are water dogs right yeah this is true i mean you know you just have to like take them in there and see uh but you know anytime you have a pool you got to have you know a good fence yeah um unless you're dealing with like a labrador retriever or even a rottweiler or shepherd you know a larger dog who can get out any dog with short legs you know is pretty much toast once they hit the water because right. they, they just can't get out of the pool right how do dachshunds walk and exist? <laughs> this is a good question. I don't think they would exist in the wild. If they did, they would be in huge packs, like 50 right. to 100. I mean, to really, Just a huge pack of dachshunds. They would have to be like a swarm of dachshunds. I love that. Um, but I think it's really a man-made thing in terms of uh, how we see them today. Yeah. Um, how can people find out about what you do? And I know you have some yeah. stuff online. So, so um, anyone who's interested in training, we can get a free consultation with us. We do a free evaluation, unlike many trainers. Uh, so I'll drive out there to your home and do a free, uh, you know, free evaluation for you. Um, so we are, you know, we're on Facebook at Affordable Dog Training Anti-Aggression. We're also on Yelp at Affordable Dog Training Anti-Aggression. You can, you can look us up. Um, so we're, we're out there if you want to That's contact us. That's how you find us. it. That's how I found you. Great. And your Yelp reviews were really good. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever get a bad one in there and then what do you do? You know, it, every now Yelp and then. crazy. Yeah, you know, I mean, in terms of business, there's going to be one crazy person. And, and, that, and that happens sometimes. But really, out of all the people that I've had and the dogs that I've trained, you know, 99.9% .9 are just great people because they, they really care enough to address the needs of their dog. And they tend to be just really good people. Yeah. Was there a moment when you first started doing this when you realized, when it clicked for you, like, oh, yeah. this, is how I, this is what I want to do for my career. This is for me. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because I started with just doing volunteer work. Um, and then I, it just dawned on me because people started contacting me for training that there was such a need out there for good anti-aggression training as well as just regular training. But training that was effective because there just is not a lot of that out there. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. When I first got Enzo, he would sometimes go after bigger dogs. Yeah. And we had a – he loves going to the dog park. And I wasn't there. But a friend of mine was with him. Um, and he had a run-in with a dog. And we quit going to the dog park at night because it was like – yeah, it was a bad. It was risky. It was, I mean, risky, it was risky and, and all of that stuff. And yeah. now we go, and he has so much fun. And I don't, and I, I just don't worry as much. Yeah. And and even in those situations where you could see that it could go there, he mm -hmm. just kind of mm -hmm. stands there and he's mellow. I think that is really the amazing thing with with training. Uh, you know how how we do it is you, once we've stopped the aggressive traits, their only option is to is to either to socialize healthy or to play so and I, a lot of dogs that you never think they would play with other dogs right once you've stopped the aggression they just play it's really amazing it's been really fun watching him learn how to play and like yeah. the body language of it and mm -hmm. what he does and when i first got him he didn't really 
No, like Why? he was he interested. Wasn't interacting. And the other day, um, I went to a friend's apartment who has a second story. Mm-hmm. He'd only been on stairs one other time, mm-hmm. and he didn't know what to make of it. And I have the funniest <laughs> video of him trying to figure out the stairs. <laughs> that happens it's really sometimes. Cute. There's some dogs who are really afraid of stairs. You and just that, couldn't figure it out. It can be a training issue. And, yeah. And, and sometimes it's in big dogs and you're like, you know, they just get terrified. Right. But that, that is a training issue and it, it can be, you know, overcome. One time I was at a park and there was a fire hydrant painted kind of crazy. Right. Enzo was terrified of it. <laughs> and barked at it for like five minutes, and I kept going up to yeah. it and like talking. It's, that's a socialization issue. Yeah. I mean, that's basically he's telling you he's never seen anything like it before. No, and he's and neither have I. It created some anxiety, and that's why you know that fight or flight got triggered, and he he just went into fight mode. There you go. You it know? happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sure. making such a difference in his life and my life. And if my you pleasure. need dog training out there, look up Greg and affordable dog training and, and anti aggression. Title says it all. All right. Anything else you want to say about? I know you had some notes before you came in. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Or um, no, I just wanted to also say again that you know there's a lot of dogs out there who would normally be put down who just with a little bit of training can be great dogs. Uh, so don't let that hold you know hold you back from, right, from right. getting a dog if they you know have those types of issues because they can be turned around. They can be in a very quick amount of time. I think that's the thing. People think. Oh, they've been like this their whole lives. They're not going to turn around. You know, we've had dogs who are like nine, ten years old, and within a couple weeks, it's a huge change. So it it can occur at any age, um, you know. So I'd say go for it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Greg. Check out his stuff online. And uh, if you need a dog trainer, he's the guy. Bye. Thanks again to Greg Sikolsky. If you have a dog that needs training, he is the dude to hit up. All right. So this happened. Um, my friend Danny and I went to see the play A View from the Bridge at the Amundsen Theater here in Los Angeles. It's the production that won the Tony for Best Revival a few years ago in New York. It's really incredibly staged. Like, it's very minimalist. There's not really particular sets or costumes. Um, some of the audiences on stage with the performers. It's really cool. I highly recommend checking it out. However... Don't do what I did, which was, before we went to the theater, Danny came over and we did a Blue Apron meal, which we prepared. It was delicious. But I think I got some garlic or something in my eye. So, go down to the theater. I got my contacts in, and they are giving me all kinds of hell. So much hell that I ended up taking out one of the contacts during the show in my seat and putting it in a little this little compartment I have behind my phone and just watching the whole show with one hand over my eye and uh, it was good, but I think I'd like to give the, sh- the show a shot and see what it's like with two eyes. So don't do that. Um, but it's definitely worth seeing. You might want to, you know, get tickets while you can. Actually, there was a lot of seats available when I went, so I wouldn't worry about it selling out. Um, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.